Welcome back to the Text Lab. Every week we unpack some portion of the text for you. And my name is Kyle Lundquist, and today I'm here with Matt Kane. Matt Kane, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Yes. Uh, if you haven't met Matt, Matt is a new church planting resident, uh, pastor on our team here at Vintage Grace. Look for him. He's, I don't know how to describe, just look for the little red beard. Yeah, but like kind of uh, brownish red, <laughs> smiling, kind. Matt, what's one or two things that I don't know about you that for sure our listeners don't know about you? A couple of random facts about you. A couple of random facts? Just did, two. Just two. Did you know I'm a trumpet player? A collegiate trumpet player? I did not know that. That's awesome. <laughs> yes. Uh, played at Biola Conservatory of Music. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so there, there's a, a... Trumpet player? A trumpet player. Yeah. I know you led worship um, at your old church, and I'm assuming that primarily you just led with a trumpet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I found it was it was difficult to, to sing and play the trumpet at the same time. <laughs> So I picked up the guitar okay. by that point. Yeah. Okay. That's one. What's another one? Um, another one. Um, uh, I haven't lived here for 20 years, but I grew up here, but you knew that. I didn't know that, but that's okay. Yeah. This is a homecoming for you. It's, yeah. It's kind of a fun homecoming. Yeah. Seeing people from high school and middle school uh, with grown up now with kids and yeah. it's kind of a fun. It's awesome reunion with with different faces and names that i haven't seen in a long time yeah awesome well matt glad you're here and listener hope you guys get to meet matt he's wonderful we are in romans as we've been so just a little a little bit of a a recap so romans 1 through 11 paul is laying out the gospel over and over again just highlighting jesus's sacrifice for us and what that entails and the gift that it is and then romans 12 there's sort of a pivot it's not that he's not been talking about how the gospel shapes how we live. But in Romans 12, he really starts to focus on kind of the so what. So he's laid out the gospel 1 through 11. So what? What do we do with that? So verse 12, he says, therefore, in view of God's mercy, two big ideas. He says, offer your body as a living sacrifice and don't be conformed to the world. Instead, be transformed to the image of Christ. And so we've been unpacking Romans 12 for a while. And what Romans 12 is talking about after those first two verses is what it looks like to live a transformed life and what it looks like to be a living sacrifice. And so we're going to continue in that conversation today. What does it look like to be a living sacrifice, to present our bodies as a living sacrifice? And what does it mean to live a transformed life? And so our question today in the territory Paul's going to take us is, how does God's mercy, that's verse one in view of God's mercy, how does God's mercy shape how we live in relationship with people who hurt us and harm us? Hmm. Matt, you want to read this passage? This yeah. passage is tough. Yeah. But yeah. why don't you read it for us and then we'll wait in. Especially, you know, coming off the the end of last week. Yeah. You know, it's a continuation. It is, yeah. So verse 17, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. 
In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. All right. So Matt, I jotted down a few thoughts we can talk about, but I'm curious, just as we read through this, what stands out to you? What's significant? What do you feel like is worth unpacking? Well, I mean, it says anyone and everyone. So... That, yeah, so that's what makes it so hard for me because yeah. oh, because yeah. it's it's one thing not to repay some people for evil for evil, but it's not just some people. It's it's anyone, and then do what is right in the eyes of everyone, and then if it is possible, live it. You know, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Those are some pretty big statements. Yeah. Yes, we love loopholes and caveats and. Mm-hmm you know, a footnote in the text that says... Except for them. Exactly. Exclusion clauses (laughs) and things like that. But there just aren't any. Mm -mm. Um, Yeah, I was just reading John this morning, John 14, and thinking about... um, Maybe it's the end of John 13 where Jesus calls his disciples. He says... He calls them to love each other just as he has loved them, which is this profound sacrificial love. And he says, this is how people are going to know you're my disciple, if you love one another with that kind of love, the love that would die for each other. I'm just pausing to think about how relentless and unwavering and sacrificial Jesus's love is and how he extends that to everybody. And then we're called to imitate it. And it's very difficult. Mm. Um, so good. Yeah. That's, that's so good. That um, I think it's a good spot for this, this quote. Um, it's kind of a deep cut of a commentary. Uh, John Phillips, um, if you've never heard of him, um, that's okay. I, I have not. Yeah, it's, it's that's right. But he he writes on this, um, on this specific passage. It was in this very way that God reacted to Calvary. The cross represents the very highest manifestation of the hatred in the heart of man towards God. At the same time, it represents the very highest manifestation of the love in the heart of God towards man. That very spear which pierced the Savior's side drew forth the blood that saves. That's really good. Dude, I love that you brought a book and a quote. I love quotes and I love books. So <laughs> my kind of guy. I I appreciate you saying that because it takes us to Jesus and the cross. Yeah. And that's just really important, I think, to be reading this passage with Jesus in mind. Jesus as the one who models for us what it looks like to not repay evil with evil verse 21 says to overcome, not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And again, Jesus is the one who models that for us, who he's not overcome by evil, though Satan tempts him. And instead he overcomes evil with good. And that's what we're trying to do. One of the things I was thinking about as I was reading this passage, this is, feels a little cheesy, but I also like it. This passage is teaching us that blessing to go back to verse 14 or love is a weapon, Mm. but it's not a weapon we wield to hurt or harm people who oppose us. They're actually the mission. We want to love them. Yeah. Love and blessing is a weapon we wield to oppose evil Mm. and spiritual darkness in the world. And it's more powerful actually. It is. Yes. And that's what the cross proves that, that it, that the cross is the ultimate display of evil where God is being murdered by his creation. And yet it is also the most profound display of love and it's love that um, conquers in that yeah. moment, conquers yeah. death, conquers sin, uh, 
scripture Every, describes how yeah. Satan is conquered in that moment in some, some way. And so, and so for us in a similar way, now we're imitating Christ's work on the cross and we, we wield love lovingly yeah. as a weapon to oppose evil. Yeah. Um, and that's how the kingdom can grow. And I just think this is so challenging, but the people that we think of like, we think of them as enemies. Maybe we wouldn't even ever use that language because we know we're not supposed to, but we, in our heart, we kind of do. We look at them as the opposition. We don't want to see them thrive or do well. We kind of be, there's this German word that I love. I mean, it's, it's kind of a sad word, but it's called schadenfreude, which means you take joy in the suffering of others. I don't love it because I think it's good, but it just captures something really powerful that humans do all the time. And, and that's just how we are. We, 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 we create lines and we like, you know, dig a trench and there's people on the other side. And Jesus calls us to see those people not as enemies to crush, but as people to love. And that's just so, so difficult. But that's what this passage is getting at saying, look, yeah. when somebody opposes you, when they hurt you, don't try to get vengeance. In fact, go out of your way to love them and bless them. Yeah. I love that. And I think it's worth mentioning um, that it's not something that we have to muster up in our own, like, like the lights in you, yeah. you know, and you have to like do this work, but that it's a super supernatural work yes. that, that the spirit of God has been poured out on all flesh for that purpose. Like Jesus leaving and ascending to his throne and sending the Holy spirit at Pentecost. Yeah is what fuels the church. Yes. And it, and it was, it was at the birth of the church and it was at, and it's every day thereafter it, that the spirit of God is pouring into us these resources. Like his love comes from him, you yeah. know, his, his mercy and his grace and his patience and his kindness, all the goodness that we're talking about is not something that starts in us. It's something that starts in him and then is poured through us. And what's great about that is when the, when the attributes of God are pouring through us as a conduit into other people, it kind of cleans us out yeah. in the process. Yeah. It, 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 it changes us. And that's, that's where that joy, abundant life, that, mm. that, um, that, the, the, um, all of the peace that it, we, we get, we get to participate in that too, because it's, it's his love coming through us to others and, um, I just, I, I think, I think that's such a, I'm so thankful that it's his love because I just don't have it. Yeah. Like it's, it's literally impossible for me to love people in my, in my flesh, the way that he's requiring me to. That's right. Yeah. That's good. Okay. So just to try maybe try to wrap up a, a few big ideas, some nuggets that you can take with you listeners. So the, the, um, Paul is thinking about people who are being hurt and wronged, Christians who are being hurt and wronged. Maybe it's that they're being persecuted, but that's not explicit necessarily in this text. It was earlier in 14, but just people who are doing evil to you. So he says, don't repay evil with evil. So you're not allowed to just give what you get. We talked about that on Sunday if you were here. He then says, be careful to do what is right. So the idea is that people are watching you. These people who have hurt you are watching you and not only should you not do evil, you should be careful how you live so that um, you're modeling holiness and, and goodness to them. And Jesus says in Matthew 5 that when we do that, we're like light that points people to Yahweh. 
then he says actually to do your best to live at peace with them. And he, he acknowledges like you, you may not, they might not let you have peace, but as far as you can do, you live at peace. And then he says, verse 19, just really explicitly, don't seek revenge. And so three things, and, and we'll camp on the last one because there's a really tough passage in here that I, I don't want us to just ignore. So three reasons I think this passage calls us to love those who hate us and to overcome evil with good. When, when evil comes our way, we, the weapon we draw is goodness and love. And that's how we fight. That's how we battle. So three reasons we do that. One is that love like we've said, is this a kind of spiritual weapon that overcomes and crushes and conquers evil, not people. They're the mission, but spiritual darkness in the world. Two is that we're trusting that God will judge justly. So this passage isn't saying that evil is okay. What we're saying is that it's not my job to judge. God is giving time for people to repent and we actually want them to repent. And when we step in to try to seek revenge, we're actually stepping into territory that God has said, that's my territory. I'm the one who will judge. And we don't want to do that. We don't want to try to play God. And that never goes well. So that's another reason we don't try to repay evil or get vengeance is because God is the one who said he will do that. And so the idea here is not that evil will just go unpunished. It's that hopefully people who are doing evil repent and come to know Jesus and Jesus actually paid for it or God will judge in the end, but nothing will go unjudged. But then the last thing it says is that when we love people, there's this crazy line that you and I were just talking about. I was talking to David and Will about this yesterday. If your enemy is, there's like a record scratching moment in this, (laughs) this This is from Proverbs. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. Yeah, that sounds about right. Not easy, but that sounds right. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Yeah. That sounds good. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. (laughs) That's like, wait, what? (laughs) So we were just talking about this. What? Okay, let's start here. What is this passage not saying? You were trying to get at this earlier. Like when we read this, what what should we not hear and what is it not saying? Well, you know, one of the main principles of biblical interpretation in, in Bible school, right, is context, context, context. Yeah. I mean, it's all, you, that's where you go to, 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 to start. Um, and I think the context here is very clear. It's in view of God's mercy. So it can't mean, um, I, I'm going to heat burning coals on his head and really burn his head and really, you know, stick Get it him. to him. Yeah. Get him. Oh yeah. Just be nice to him and it'll burn him up. Yeah. Like, it can't be what, when it's talking about burning coals, right? The question is, what, is, what does that mean? What is it talking about when it says heat burning coals? <laughs> it can't mean... It can't it mean can't. I'm antagonistically hoping they suffer and gleefully looking forward to that. It cannot what mean What was that. that German word again? Schadenfreude. Yeah. It can't be schadenfreude. That. It can't be schadenfreude. Yes, it, it is not that. And yeah, so Romans 12.1, we're talking about mercy here. Just the context. It's literally saying, don't repay evil with evil, overcome evil with good, even the immediate quote is talking about feeding your enemy and, and giving them water. And, and it's all couched in genuine love, not like this deceptive, like, I'm going to be nice to you so that one day you wake up and just, you just feel horrible about yourself and I got you. Yeah. It's not, it's not deceptive love. It's genuine no. love and longing for your enemy to prosper and experience abundant life with Jesus. Okay. So if it's not antagonistic, then, then how do we, how do we get that? 
why why is this the verse yeah why is he why is he talking about put in here yeah okay so two ideas one idea um i i i have not seen scholars talk about this but someone on our team who i trust and respect was presenting this as an idea and you were reading some things on the internet, which we all know is yeah. just completely true. Yeah, they all, they all seem to go back to blog posts. Yeah, but, yeah, but, but this this could be, yeah. So this is, I suggest this as something to go read about and learn about. And the idea is that you're actually, the image of heaping burning coals, which sounds so horrible to us, is actually um, helpful in some way. Um, and I don't even know, I don't know, you might be able to speak to the, the well, idea of how it's, this last week, it kind of actually makes a little more sense. I've been make, making a lot of fires in my house because we ran out of, we ran out of gas. <laughs> yeah, because I didn't realize that we had your to order heater it. was not working. My heater was not working, and so I we do have a, a wood burning um, fireplace, and so um, it's not like an insert or anything. It's really inefficient, but I can make a fire inside my house, and um, so I've been. M- playing with with wood and coals and fire and trying to get these things going and man when those when those coals get nice and hot the warmth yeah when you're cold oh it's so nice and so I, apparently uh it's like wrapping up these coals in some sort of container and and warming somebody yeah um on their head or um sometimes i know there's uh it's in literature where they they put warm coals at the foot of the bed yes it's that sort of thing i think um is is what is one suggestion yes that that the image that we read is like that's so mean and horrible to dump burning coals on someone's head that uh there's a a cultural divide (laughs) that we don't that we're not picking up on but it's actually a gift of warmth yeah so that's one option the other option is that it is what we think that having burning coals dumped on your head is really uncomfortable and painful, but that the idea behind here, we just have to not stretch the metaphor too far. The idea is that the image I was thinking of is like, if somebody was sleeping and there's a tornado coming to their house and you dump cold water on their head and they wake up and that's uncomfortable and they might feel frustrated by that. But the act of dumping cold water on their head is actually an act of love to alert them to this danger that's coming and so this is actually the view that I find most convincing is that he is talking about something that might be experienced painfully to them. But what you're doing is essentially dumping cold water on their head. Your good deeds are like cold water that wake them up to mm. help them to see their evil deeds as evil. Like they maybe previously thought what they were doing was fine, but as they taste and experience your love and kindness, it wakes them up to the fact that what am I doing? Yeah. Well, you were people. talking about shame too, Kyle, like and. and- yeah. Can you unpack that a little bit? Yeah. Um, some commentators, I think the NLT actually uses the idea that um, you shame them. And and I am like chief proponent of Christians need to unravel shame in our hearts because it hinders us from receiving God's love. Like that's a huge part of my story. I'm really passionate about helping people do that because I think so many of us are stuck in shame. Shame is like a weed growing in our heart that hinders us so, from trusting. So much. Yeah. yeah trusting God, God's love and his grace. But the Bible does, like in 1 Corinthians, Paul is writing to the Corinthians and he says, I say this to your shame. And the Bible in the Old Testament talks about deeds being shameful. And so there is an, there is an idea in the Bible that people do shameful things and that actually recognizing that something we do is shameful. And by that, we just mean it's not worthy of how Christ has called us to live. Right. So in view of his mercy, the shame 
becomes something that leads us to his mercy. Totally. Um, is the idea. Like, yeah. it's like the, the, you're waking up, the shame is waking you up. Yes. The, I recognize that like, what am I, it's the, it's the, yeah. it's a thought of what am I doing? Yeah. Why am I doing this? Yeah. But what this is, this is so key that everybody hears this. Biblically, God does not want his people to stay and live in shame. And so there might be a moment where we recognize that what we're doing is shameful and we actually experience a kind of shame of like, what am I, what am I doing? But what the gospel is, and Paul's made this so clear, is freedom from shame. When we're adopted, we're honored yeah. as sons and daughters and we're freed from all shame. And so if what's being described here is something like you're a healthy kind of shame where you're waking them up to, to see their evil deeds as evil, the goal is not that, again, it's not antagonistic. The goal is not that they stay there and just feel like crud and live in shame. The goal is that they see like, what am I doing? And then they go experience God's mercy and mm-hmm. they would repent. That's the view that I'm most convinced by, but I haven't studied this in depth. So those are two different ways you could read it. But both of them, this is what's really core, is that both of them are about us loving our enemies, us loving people who hurt us with the hope of blessing them. And whether that's just, we're just trying to do something that is actually a gift immediately or that our kindness helps them to see the waywardness of their way. But both of them are about, we want, we long for those who oppose us to be blessed and to experience God's goodness. So I good. think that's really important. That's so good. Um, okay. You're going to have to go, listener, you're going to have to go wrestle with that on your own and go read about that. But maybe just to land the plane, Matt, as we think about implications is there anything from this passage or our discussion that you feel like, this is what, like, I don't know, I want to think about this more, or I'm taking home with me, or I want to try to be about? Yeah, I think I think just the, the perspective um, that, like, every single person is in this category. Yeah. I, I don't get to do a loophole with anyone. Yeah. Um, and it's all fine and dandy when, when you're talking about 90% of the people that you run into, maybe even 99% of the people. Yeah. But that one person that really hurts you, they really, they really, you know, yeah, genuinely. cut all the way down and, and, and it genuinely hurts you. Yeah. Um, whether it's verbal or f- physically or, or um, you know, emotionally, what whatever it is, whatever kind of abuse that you have to receive from another human being, they're included in this. And like, I, I actually need God to give me this gift to, to see them in light of eternity, like that he could change them. And yeah. I would actually want that. I don't want their ill. I yeah. want their good. And that, uh, that's really pro- how do I, yeah. how do I apply that to my life? Yeah. Ooh, I mean, that's, it's, it's that when you get cut off um, by that person and you want them to be in the, in the ditch up ahead in a couple of miles, cause they cut you off and you're kind of rooting for that. Yeah. That has, that heart has to change. Yeah. Yeah. And so just to go all the way back to what you're saying, like this is supernatural. Yeah. Because, because of how intensive, if it said repay most people, you know, do not repay most people yeah. evil with evil, then it'd be like, well, I could probably do that. But once it's everybody, every instance, yeah. Because yeah, I mean, you and I, like listener, you're out there. Listen, we don't even we don't know all that you've been through. And I can only imagine how hard this would be for some people. Yeah. And yet, 
um, Paul goes out of the way to make sure we hear this as it's, it's for this love is for everybody. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. I, as you're right, as you're talking, I'm just thinking about how all of us, all of us are sort of silently writing exclusion cause, clauses in the side of our Bibles. <laughs> like all of us are just doing this. We're yeah. like, yeah, except for John and Terry because yeah. of, you know, whatever, or, mm-hmm. you know, forgive people like, yeah, of course I'm going to forgive people, but not that guy because of what he did. Yeah. And, and, and we just, that's probably the rest of our lives is learning to stop writing those right. little exclusion clauses in the right. side of our because Bible. Because Jesus didn't. Yes, he didn't. He didn't. Um, he, he, but not those guys that are nailing my hands to the cross. Totally. He prays for them. Yeah, it's astounding. It, it yeah. is astounding. You mentioned that on Sunday and, and it's, it's still true this week. <laughs> it's not true this week. Yeah, that's astounding. Um, I think, I, I love that. I think for me, I, I just really love the idea of overcoming evil with good mm. because I think it's easy for Christians to try to wield the weapons of the world for the kingdom and it never works. Mm. To think that like, yeah, we we are kind of doing underhanded things or we're angry or snarking or we're being mean or we're tearing these people down, but we're doing it for the kingdom because they're on the wrong side. Yeah. And and scripture just doesn't give us permission to do that. And anytime the church tries to wield the world's tools, it, it destruction yeah. follows. And so just to think about like the only weapon I have to oppose evil in the world is love and goodness and blessing. Um, and that people are the mission, not the enemy. I and mean, Paul makes it clear, like our enemy is not flesh and blood. Yeah. They're the mission. And so I just I just want to keep thinking about that idea of how powerful to what you were saying earlier, how powerful love is and blessing somebody is, especially when they're hurting you. There's something really profound about that. Yeah. Well, listener, thanks for joining us. Whether you are working out, doing your dishes, whatever you're doing, we are happy mowing the lawn. Yeah, we, we tried to cut that, but it comes back every time. If you're mowing the lawn, who's mowing the too. lawn? I don't know who's mowing the lawn. We're just really grateful that you're tuning in. And as always, we encourage you to do your own prep, dive into the text on your own. There are things, uh, yeah, obviously, as, as you're listening to us, there's a lot to wrestle with and let the Spirit lead you. And we will catch you next time on the text line.